Hello, I am Bob Bostock. You are listening to Discover DEP, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection's official podcast. Each week, we will provide you with timely information about how DEP protects and preserves New Jersey's air, water, land, and natural and historic resources. Please feel free to add this podcast to your iTunes or RSS feed. You can also follow DEP on the web at nj.gov DEP. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. You can download Discover DEP and subscribe to future editions through iTunes and Google Play. Today we're joined by Bernie Isaacson, Assistant Regional Forester, to discuss New Jersey's state forests. With more than 45% of New Jersey covered in forest, forest management is an important part of DEP's mission. As part of the state lands management team, Bernie helps to manage the forest landscape in state forests, and he is with us today to talk a little bit about forestry in New Jersey, forest inventory, and sustainability. Bernie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Bernie, tell us about New Jersey's forests. Here we are, the most densely populated state in the Union, and yet almost half of the state is forested. That's right. A lot of people think that's a pretty unique thing. I think the thing that makes us most unique is that how densely populated we are. A lot of the other states in the Northeast have the same sort of patterns for the amount of forest that they have. But what makes us unique is really the the number of people we've been able to cram in there and still have some forest. Where in New Jersey are our forests primarily located, or are they generally spread across the state? Well, there are decent-sized patches of forest statewide, but primarily uh, we're looking at northern and northwestern New Jersey and uh, and southeastern New Jersey in the county. So what kind of trees do you find in the uh, northern part of the state? What What are our forests mostly composed of up there? Well, so in terms of numbers of trees, uh, red maple is the most abundant tree, and not statewide, but red maple is probably the most abundant uh, in the north. We also have uh, tulip poplar, white oak, red oak, some of the hickories, sweet birch, American beech, uh, and so it's sort of a transitioning right now, as a matter of fact, from a lot of oak and hickory to uh, northern hardwood types uh, with more maple. So mostly hardwoods up in that yes. part, including our state tree, the red oak. That is, that is true. And, and then down in the uh, pine barrens. Mm-hmm. More pines, I'm guessing. As a matter of fact, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you can't slip anything past. A lot of pitch pine down there. A lot of pitch pine in South Jersey. We do also have uh, quite a bit of shortleaf pine, uh, and in the wetlands, Atlantic white cedar is, is unique. There is Atlantic white cedar in North Jersey, uh, primarily the southern. Want to give us a little bit of a brief history about forestry in New Jersey? Kind of what we do here at DEP, what you do here at DEP, along with your colleagues. Sure. Uh, well, so New Jersey has been continuously settled for uh, over 10,000 years. Uh, and for most of that time, the people who were living here were be um, burned and did active management across much of our landscape, particularly in forests. There's uh, interesting references going back to New Sweden, the days of the colonial era in South Jersey, describing how the Lenape would burn in the winter. They'd, they'd pull up tufts of grass, the warm season grasses that we see today, and then they'd light a fire in a big circle and drive the fire inward. So they'd make a fire line, uh, and that, so that fire didn't jump back. And then they they burn in, and that was just one of the management techniques they did. They did that for hunting. So, so that was to clear the underbrush so they could see the. It was to clear underbrush to clear fuels, but also to drive animals so that they could they would all the animals would congregate towards the center of the fire, and then they'd be able to stock their larder. I'm shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, what's well, one way of putting it? Yeah. <laughs> so so the Lenape uh, were active managers, uh, and then our forests underwent a period of very high exploitation uh, and high use. 
And based on really global trends and settlement patterns, patterns in the Northeast, the amount of forest that we had started creeping back up um, a little over 100 years ago. It's interesting. We go walking in North Jersey, we're looking through the Oak State Forest, High Point State Park. Um, come across lots of these old stone walls and come across old farm equipment. And so you discover that so much of what we have as forest has not been continuously forest as long as white settlement's been here. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty interesting uh, piece of that history. So do we have much in the way of uh, old growth forests in New Jersey, or is it all uh, mostly forest that has recovered since the agricultural use of a hundred and more years ago ceased? It's mostly that recovered, uh, that recovered type forest, second growth. That doesn't, in my mind, diminish it. The same powers that are affecting, the same uh, forces that are affecting trees in one area, whether they're new trees or old trees, are still there. So we still have things like climate change, invasive species. Interestingly enough, I mean, Peter Kahn in the 1750s, who's an English botanist, uh, went and visited South Jersey and described privet being common everywhere. And so we think of this today as an invasive species, and we think of invasive species as a contemporary problem. But that was over, that was almost 300 years ago. And so a lot of the same forces that would have affected forests, uh, regardless of how they started, are still are still present. And you mentioned climate change. The climate has always been changing. Yes. I remember reading about the Little Ice Age there, which definitely had an effect on our forests as well as our agricultural land. Absolutely, it did. It's a dynamic environment. It is absolutely a dynamic yeah. environment. It's, there's interesting research with pollen forests in bodies of water in the mud, in the sediment at the bottom of lakes, pond. But if you think about that time scale, New Jersey used to have mastodons. It was a cold day in the Pleistocene when these things started. In terms of how that translates today, the last several decades, we've had fewer winters with a minimum temperature cold enough to kill things like southern pine beetle. And so southern pine beetle is a native insect, but it's able to increase its population much more rapidly when it doesn't, when its numbers aren't reduced by cold winters. And so we're seeing more and more southern pine beetle infestations in New Jersey. And that's a trend that you see nationwide. It's really something that a lot of different uh, foresters and land managers and communities are grappling with. So what are some of the best forest management practices that we use here in New Jersey? You mentioned the Lenapai uh, managing forests long as 10,000 years ago. We're still managing the forests to try and keep them healthy and sustainable. What are some of the things that we do here in, in uh, New Jersey to keep our forests in good shape? Sure. Well, in terms of acreage, I'd say uh, prescribed burning is going to be the biggest, the biggest by area. So prescribed burning is uh, beneficial for a number of reasons. Particularly in, in southern New Jersey, you've got an area where you've got high fuels and fire-dependent ecosystems. Fire has a number of ben- benefits for nutrient cycling, controlling competition, managing competition, and reducing fire wildfire risk. So how does a prescribed burn work? It starts with uh, the observations of the section warden for that, that area. And the section warden will go out and the forest, New Jersey Forest Fire Service section warden. Uh, will determine this is an area that is unsafe fuel loader. It's near a community, or it will carry fire through it, and so we need to you know, burn it for a strategic reason. So they come up with that plan. They'll submit a burn plan, and that goes through review within all the different agencies and natural and historic resources. So the endangered plants folks get a look at it, the endangered animal folks get a look at it, uh, and then when those uh, areas are all agreed upon, the section warden will go out the proper day, and uh, his or her crew set the fire, set in the woods on fire. And then they let it burn until they've accomplished their goal and That's right. put it out. That's right. These folks take a lot of risk on their shoulders and a lot of responsibility for how they perform. There's a real science to it. Absolutely. 
And I understand we developed forest management plans here at DEP. Tell us a little bit about what those entail and how we go about developing them. Sure. So a forest management plan is basically a strategy, setting up your goals and how you're going to achieve them for a parcel of forest. We set them up, we do these things because, in my mind, taking ownership of a forest or taking ownership of a piece of land entails a great amount of responsibility. Neglect, while some folks uh, may see it as benevolent preservation, um, that can often be slipshod stewardship. So the same forces that we talked about before, things like insect outbreaks, uh, emerald ash borer, for example, mm-hmm. coming through New Jersey right now. If you come up with a way to mitigate some of those uh, impacts and shape the forest in a way that's beneficial and meets a number of different goals, uh, I think that's a, a pretty important reason for developing forest management plans. And so there's a suite of different uh, goals that we that we manage for. So most of the world's temperate forest and boreal forest nations came up with this grand scheme called the Montreal Process. And it's an agreement between nations about how to assess sustainability of forest management. The very first criteria, the very first set of goals that you're looking at is managing for biodiversity, protecting biodiversity, making sure that uh, you know what's in that patch of forest, making sure you know what's there, and how you're going to maintain it or enhance it. Um, then there's also things like uh, maintaining the productive capacity of forest ecosystems. So that's things like not letting your soil slip away and making sure that you're not uh, taking out the best trees. Uh, you're leaving something as good or better for the next generation. Protecting soil, protecting water, that's another set. Managing for social benefit, another set. Uh, the legal framework, making sure that you're cutting on what's yours. Those are things we put into a forest management. And people who own uh, private property that have a forest on it, do we provide any assistance or information to them so they can help manage their own forested land? Absolutely. There's an entire uh, program within the State Forest Service, the, uh, the Private Forest Management Group, uh, and they work with landowners and consultants to develop forest management plans on those properties. Uh, there's a whole consulting industry in New Jersey that uh, goes out and helps forest landowners to come up with management plans. Uh, there's different levels of that, different intensities. If you are a small family forest owner and you're very interested in uh, in perhaps your children, your grandchildren, there's the stewardship process with the federal government, which can entail different uh, cost-sharing benefits from different agencies. And then there's also other types of management, maybe more standard types of management. But I don't work typically in private. Do we have information on our website about that? Absolutely, sort of we what, do. What is the uh, web address? Sure, the, the web address for, for our agency is forestry.nj.gov. We have that on our description of the podcast as well, so people can link directly to it. Tell us about the Natural Resource Stewardship Plan. I've heard I've heard a little bit about it. Tell us a little bit. Tell us a little more about it. Sure. So uh, through a number of changes at the State Forest Service, or now the New Jersey Forest Service, uh, we reorganized and started doing state lands management a little differently. We came up with a process, 14 or 15 step process now, um, where we consult with internal stakeholder groups, internal technical stakeholders external technical stakeholders, external non-technical stakeholders, and we work with the public at various different levels to develop a plan that's, that meets all those different goals, meets everybody's objectives, and that everybody gets a turn writing with a red pen on the plan. And it makes a much stronger plan, I think. A pretty special thing to have that kind of engagement. So what are some of the goals of the plan? Sure. Well, it's, we format everything in line with the Montreal process. So biodiversity is the, the first step, conserving biodiversity. What do we have there? And then maintaining productive capacity. So if the purpose is to uh, maintain current forest volume, wood volume at the same level, not harvesting more than we're going to grow in that period. In some places where we have density problems, it might make sense to to harvest more than might grow in the time period of the plan. So those are examples. And 
using BMPs, best management practices, mm -hmm. for soil conservation, for maintaining water quality, you know, streamside management zones and, and buffer strips, those sorts of things. So overall, why should we really care about our forests? What, what, how do they benefit us here in New Jersey? What do they do for us? It's, uh, when am I going to use this again in the future yeah. kind of question. Yeah. Besides, um, I mean, they're obviously gorgeous absolutely. to look at and places to hike and, uh, you know, get in, in touch with nature. But uh, what other benefits do they provide? Well, so I don't think there's any separation between our forests and our urban landscape. I happen to think that there's this is all the same habitat and, and biological things and even things like weather tend to disregard our administrative boundaries of where mm -hmm. a city stops and where a forest begins. And so... To understand that we live in this matrix of forest, that we are getting ecosystem services, uh, we get uh, benefits for wildlife habitat, we can utilize those places for wood, for forest products, other, you know, mushroom harvesting. Those are special, but there's also the emotional and sort of romantic ideas about forests. Those are that there's a special place to regenerate ourselves and our souls. And I think all those different interests are represented in New Jersey. And I think we need to manage our forests to be able to represent all those different interests. I don't think it's healthy for too much of anything is no good, right? I don't think it's healthy to just have one of those agendas driving our forest policy. Yeah, I, cer I certainly know uh, myself when I go into a forest for a hike or uh, you know, even just a short walk in to look at a lake or a stream or something, you really do come out feeling so much more relaxed and, and uh, just kind of so much more at peace. Uh, at least for a few minutes. <laughs> That's one of the reasons it's a great job being a forester. That's, yeah. uh, it can be a wonderful thing. Now, how did you get into forestry? What's your background? Uh, my background, well, I grew up in Middlesex County, and I spent most of my childhood outside. Uh, I started doing trail work with the Student Conservation Association uh, when I was in high school, and backpacking, canoeing, doing those sorts of outdoor recreation. Uh, and as I got older, I uh, studied natural resource management, and then I read green forestry and discovered that I really liked measuring trees, making inferences about forests, uh, and working with people to figure out what their objectives are for a piece of land so that they can come up with a strategy for managing their forest. Protecting our forests and managing them isn't just something that DEP does. We have a lot of partners, don't we? Yeah, that's right. As part of the state lands management process, when we're developing a management plan, some of those external stakeholders, those technical stakeholders, I include groups like the Audubon Society, the National Park Service, Society of American Foresters, the Nature Conservancy. Uh, there's a whole suite of different groups, and I think that's uh, a good example of why forest management needs so many different people involved in it. There's all these different levels of expertise and different areas of expertise, and it's important to have all those different voices heard. So those partnerships really play a key role in protecting our forests. Absolutely, they do. Bernie, what were our forests like here in the early days of European settlement? That's an excellent question. There's some debate about what things look like, mostly because written records for this area don't go back that far. A lot of the people who were here first weren't heard or disappeared before European settlement showed up. But from the early accounts that we had, it looked totally different from the way it looks today. Uh, oftentimes, you read in the historic documents that there was enough space between trees that you know, carriages could go through uh, without brushing the sides of trees at all. They were widely spaced, big trees far apart, and they had a really grassy understory. In fact, an account from an old-timer in South Jersey who was talking to Peter Collin said that in his day, which was in the early 1700s, there was enough forage, there was enough browse for, for cattle that the same area of ground could support four times as many cattle as it could when he was, as when he was an adult. 
And so if you think about how much more grass there would have been, herbage there would have been on the forest floor, it would have looked totally different. And that's what it looked like before 1750. So there's been a lot of change that's happened. That's, uh, that's fascinating. I never would have guessed that. And there's been lots of areas that have been lumbered multiple times. So, for example, Atlantic White Cedar. Uh, Peter Calm again describes uh, going to Philadelphia and seeing that all the shingles on the tops of the houses were made of Atlantic White Cedar from New Jersey, and that the best Atlantic White Cedar was all cut over in New Jersey. He actually predicted that there was going to be a major housing crisis in Philadelphia because they wouldn't be able to roof their homes. Um, and so there's some areas of South Jersey that have been logged five, six times. And the forests just keep coming back. With good stewardship, they keep coming back. There's there's some excellent excellent groups out there that do reforestation. That's great to know. Yeah. I think our forests here in New Jersey are very lucky to have somebody of your caliber and knowledge and experience helping to look after them, not just for us, but for the generations to come, which is really so much at the heart of everything we do here at DEP. It's not just about us, but the generations of Apollo. And we need to make sure that we leave our state in a better condition than we found it. Thank you. That's uh, some kind words. And yeah, I absolutely agree. I think those are really important things for us. So before we wrap it up, is there anything that the public ought to be doing to uh, make sure that our forests are protected for for many, many decades to come? Uh, That's a a good question. You know, I think there's lots of things that people can do. I'd say the first thing is get involved with your forests, take advantage of your forests, and be part of a constituency that's for protecting forests. You know, one of the biggest threats to forests nationwide is encroaching development. And that's not something that's restricted to New Jersey. In fact, New Jersey isn't even the worst off as, as in terms of uh, northeastern states go. And so it's important that people spend time in their forests and make themselves a constituency for forests. And that includes forest management. We all use wood products. We all use forest products. And making sure that people keep alive and interest in forests is the most important thing I think people in New Jersey can do. That's great. That's good advice for all of us to follow. So, Bernie, I want to thank you so much for coming in today. really appreciate you sharing some of our knowledge with us and our listeners. It's been a great conversation, and I'm glad to know that our forests have advocates and experts like you out there to help make sure they're here for many generations to come. Thanks Thanks so so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.